الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فقد قال تعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد نحن نقص عليك نبأهم بالحق إنهم فتية آمنوا بربهم وزدناهم هدى صدق الله صدق الله العظيم سورة كهف is a surah which we have been encouraged in many and various ahadith to recite every week on the day of Friday and in the surah there are numerous incidents which have been mentioned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but the main incident of the surah or the highlight of the surah is the incident of the group of youth who went to seek refuge in a cave and slept in that cave for 300 years after which they awoke absolutely unchanged what is the background to this incident and what was it that occurred and transpired at that time the mufassirin explain the ulama who commentate on the Qur'an-i Majid, they explain that this incident took place between the zamana, between the period and era of Hazrat Nabi Isa alayhi salam and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this incident occurred and transpired among a group of youth who were under the rule of a Roman king named Daqiyanus. This Roman king was a kafir, he was an oppressor and the people of that time would all worship idols and they would worship the king, and they were involved in different types of shirk and disbelief. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had decided and intended to bless this group of youth with hidayah. Despite the overwhelming odds and despite the environment that they were in, Allah ta'ala decided to give them hidayah and bless them with iman. When Allah ta'ala commences explaining the incident in the Qur'an Majid, Allah ta'ala says, نَحْنُ نَقُصُّ عَلَيْكَ نَبَأَهُمْ بِالْحَقِّ We are going to narrate their incident to you with the truth. And then from all the different things Allah ta'ala could have mentioned, Allah ta'ala says, إِنَّهُمْ Indeed, they were a group of youth who brought Iman in their Rabb. So Allah Ta'ala highlights the point that they were a group of youth and they were youngsters. So Hafiz ibn Kasir, Rahmatullahi alayhi, the renowned alim and muhaddith and mu'anrikh and alim of Islam, he mentions under this point that the youth are very, very vital in the ummah. One is they have all the energy. One is they have their whole life ahead of them. And another particular quality of youth is they are very easy to convince and they are very easy to mold and give direction. Once a person gets older, now he becomes fixed and set in his ways. What he knows is what he knows. To make him learn something new is very hard. To tell him something is opposite to how he knew his whole life. He's not going to be prepared to listen to you. He won't accept any reasoning. A person is young, you can still change his mind. Sometimes you look at an old person, every day he takes the same road to the masjid. One day you take a different road and Allah forbid you have a traffic jam, you won't hear the end of it. And why you took the other road? You're supposed to take that same road we take all the time. Because he knows what he knows. He's very fixed in his ways. And Hafiz ibn Kathir rahmat he explains when you look at the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, then majority of Sahaba who brought Iman in Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam were those who are younger or of middle age, 30, 40 or younger, not those who are very old. Hazrat Hamza radiallahu anhu was quite young, Hazrat Usman radiallahu anhu, Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, two years younger than Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But then you look at the lives of Abu Talib and those who were older, they wouldn't listen to anything new. 
He said, no, we saw our fathers and grandfathers. This is what they did. We found our forefathers doing something. That's what we know. Hafiz ibn Kasir rahmatullah explains that a point that is being highlighted here is this vital period of youth is a golden window, an opportunity to get the youth and put them on the straight path. And if you miss that opportunity, then later on to catch them and to bring them onto the straight path is difficult. And for those youth who are off the path, they should not think, no, when we're older, we'll become pious. Now we need to enjoy life. What you learn now will stay with you through your life. If a person is not reading namaz now, to bring namaz in his life later on is very difficult. If he's involved in drugs and cigarettes and bad habits now, to come out of it later on is very difficult. A person should not take this opportunity and this gift of youth for granted. So nevertheless, what happened was, the king had a certain festival at that time. It was a festival of Kufr. Like how today we have Christmas and there's New Year's and there's Halloween and there's Diwali, all these festivals of Kufr. And these youth were present in that festival and all the Kufr was taking place. But it entered their hearts one by one from the side of Allah that this is Kufr, what are we doing here? And any person who's, whose brains are unbiased, who has correct understanding will know what is Kufr and what is Haq. Any person will know that for this universe to function so seamlessly, every day the sun rises, no delay. Every day the sun sets exactly on time for thousands of years. There has to be one Allah who is controlling everything. The best of humans with the best of machines, that flight also will be delayed, that train will be delayed. One day the train truck will break, something must happen. But Allah's system is perfect. Not once was that sun ever delayed. Any person with understanding must look at everything around him and realize that there is definitely an Allah who is behind everything. These youth, Allah Ta'ala inspired them. They realize that there is one Allah. We can be worshipping the cow and the tree and the idol and the moon and the sun. And then when they had this hidayat enter their heart, they felt so uncomfortable in that festival, they had to leave. And this is the sign of iman. A person who has iman will not feel comfortable and happy and at ease in the middle of the kuffar. If he's there in the beach and there's people half naked around him, he won't feel happy about it. He won't be enjoying himself. If he is enjoying himself with bikini woman around him and half naked people, he must question his iman. That my iman has become so weak. That I can be in the middle here and it's not even disturbing me. Malakal Mood comes and takes my life now. How will I face Allah? So they immediately left. One by one. Each of them left individually. They came out. There was a big tree. They came and sat under the tree. Now everybody is partying inside. Having a nice time. And these youngsters arrived coincidentally together under the tree. Each one looking at the other one's face. What he's doing here? But nobody wants to openly speak and say what is in their mind. Because Kufr was the state enforce religion. If you don't worship the idols, the king is going to throw you in jail and kill you. So to say that you don't accept the idols and you worshipping Allah, that's a crime. You will be oppressed and you will be persecuted. But they're looking at each another's faces and they realize that definitely there's a common element that has united us and brought us here today. Until finally one of them says, you know what, all of us have come here for some reason. Let us each speak up and say what is in our hearts, why we have come here. So one of them says, I have come here because I don't feel comfortable inside and I don't want to worship these idols anymore. And there's definitely, there has to be only one Allah who has to be worshipped. And they realized that Allah had brought them there together at that time. And each of them had the same sentiment and the same iman in his heart. Now that they were united, they reached a decision. Each of them says to the other, first of all, we need to keep our iman secret. But second of all, for us to remain steadfast upon our iman, each person needs to support the other. If a person is going to be isolated, for him to remain firm will be very difficult. He needs what you call a community effort. He needs the environment. He needs the mahol. Then this person can remain steadfast upon deen. And that is where we find these youth and youngsters, they said what we need to do is we need a place of worship where we can come together and worship together. That is why we find when Rasulullah arrived in Quba on the Hijrat, he has not yet arrived in Medina, still in Quba. 
First thing, build a masjid. Then he came to Medina Sharif. First thing, build a masjid. So many ahadith. Rasulullah explained, hold on to performing your five time daily salah with jamaat in the masjid. And then Rasulullah said, the person who doesn't come masjid for salah, he's reading at home, he's reading in his shop, wherever else. Rasulullah said, he's like a sheep who has been isolated from the flock. The wolf is going to catch him at any moment. And then Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anh, explains in his hadith. Hadith comes in Muslim Sharif and in Abu Dawud Sharif. He explains that it was the way of the Sahaba. Every salah was jamaat in the masjid. He said the only person who wouldn't come was the open munafiq. Meaning even the secret munafiq was there. And Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anh, explained. It's a lengthy hadith but he explains in the end. He said, if you leave out the salah with jamaat in the masjid, in one hadith, Abu Dawud Sharif, he said, la dalaltum, you will go astray. But Imam Muslim, rahmatullahi alayhi, has narrated the words, la kafartum, you will slowly, slowly go further and further away from deen and come closer and closer towards kufr. Because the security of your iman and your deen is to be five times a day in the masjid for your salah with jamaat. So these youngsters also, they said, we have to stick together and make our salah together. That is the hifazat of our iman. And that is what they began to do. Congregate daily at a fixed time to make their salah with jamaat together. But you find after some time, there were people who spied them out. Went to the government to say, you know what, these people are making salah over there together. And this is nothing new. From those times it was happening. So they came to Daqiyanus and they spied these people out. You know, these people, they're making some other type of worship and they aren't following what the government is saying. So Daqiyanus immediately sent his police go and arrest these youngsters. And now they are brought before the king. These youngsters, the Mufassirin mentioned, they came from royal families. In other words, their fathers were all ministers. These were not run-of-the-mill youth of the street. These were youth whose fathers were the ministers and advisors of the king. They were from the royal family. They had money, they had prestige, they had reputation, they had everything going for them. Now Daqiyanus calls them, he says, what is this news I've received? That you people are worshipping one Allah and you're not worshipping what I say you must worship. Now this is what you call a crunch time. This was an acid test of Iman. And this is the common theme which is repeated in all the incidents in Surah Kahf. What is that common theme? Are you going to choose Allah or are you going to choose dunya? If they said to the king that no, 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 we're on board with you and don't worry, we, we worship what you worship, then they would have secured their dunya. Their money would have been secured, their reputation would have been secured, their dunya would have been secured. Or they could have said we worship one Allah, we are not going to compromise in our deen and Allah will look after us. If they do that, then their jannah is secure. So this is the test each one of us faces in our lives, and we'll elaborate more on it later on as well. But this is the common theme throughout the surah, in the different different instances, different incidents that have been mentioned. The test between your iman and your dunya. We find a similar test when Sahaba radiallahu anhu went to Abyssinia, they made the first hijrat, before they went to Medina. The king of Abyssinia, Najashi, whose name was Asfama, he gave refuge to the Sahaba. He granted them sanctity in his land. He gave them what you call amnesty. And now the Quraysh sends their delegation to come and spread propaganda. They came to Najashi, these people who came here, you allowed them in your land. You know what type of people these are? They were causing strife in their community, they broke families, they broke marriages, and they went and they caused political strife. They're going to come cause the same nonsense in your land. You better extradite them and send them back to Makkah. Now Najashi summons the Sahaba and the Sahaba afraid. They're a minority group in a land of Christians. What are they going to do? People whose Iman is weak, they'll say, let us say anything that will make them happy. Just to secure ourselves. You don't get thrown in jail, everything. Hazrat Jafar radiallahu anh told the Sahaba, I will speak. This was the cousin of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says, let me speak. He comes before Najashi and he speaks the haqq of Islam. He says, this is who we were. A backward people steeped in ignorance, burning our daughters alive, night and day soaked in alcohol. Allah sent a Nabi to us. This is who the Nabi is. This is what he told us. Worship one Allah, do not worship idols. He told us to perform salah, uphold family ties. 
to have big hearts, to give in charity, to fast. He told us, stay away from alcohol, stay away from gambling, stay away from all these types of things. He explained exactly what is the deen of Islam. Right now, what do you say about Nabi Isa a.s.? Interfaith. He said, we believe what the Quran in Majid says. He was the prophet of Allah. He is not the son of Allah. I have to speak the haq of Islam. I will not compromise just to make this man happy. My Islam is my Islam. I will not sell out my Allah and sell out my Islam just to secure my dunya. And this won the heart of Najashi and he accepted Islam. So these youngsters stand before the king and Allah says, وَرَبَّطْنَا عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ we gave strength to their hearts. Why? Because they had ikhlas and sincerity. They wanted Allah. So Allah said, we were with them. When a person wants Allah, he shows his loyalty to Allah. Allah will be there for him. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tells his young cousin, Hazrat Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu an, Ya ghulam, oh youngster, what advice does he tell, give him? Ihfazillah yahfazka. Ihfazillah tajidhu tujahar. And oh youngster, you look after Allah. What does he mean look after Allah? It means you look after Allah's deen. The commands of Allah, you must protect it. Allah says, read namaz, you read it. Allah says, haram, stay away from it. You do what Allah wants, Allah will look after you. You look after Allah's deen, Allah will look after you. And then he said, you look after Allah's deen, tajidhu tujahak. When you need Allah, Allah will be there for you. Allah is saying, وَرَبَطْنَا عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ We gave their hearts that courage. Izqamu, when they stood in front of that zalim king, he had his police, he had everything. And the king shook them up. The royal clothing they were wearing, he stripped it off. He threatened them, I'm going to throw you into jail. I'll do this to you, I'll do that to you. He said, Rabbuna, Rabbu samawati wal ard. They told him, we don't worship your idol. Our Rabb is the one who had created the heavens and the earth. Youngsters, but what courage and bravery Allah put in their heart. They spoke the haq. The king was dumbfounded. He did not expect the youngsters to stand up to him with this type of courage. And now the king realizes that... This is something that can spread. These youngsters are talking about Iman and Tawheed. Next thing, their friends will also become Muslims. He says, I need to take control of the situation quickly. I need to nip it in the bud. He tells them, I'm going to give you a few days. You people are young. Youngsters don't think straight. They're very impulsive. Very, very rash decisions. You people don't know what you're talking about. Take a few days and think over your future. If you're going to persist on this line that you have taken... Think about what's going to happen to you. After a few days, I'll talk to you again. So he gives them a few days respite and he sends them away. Daqiyanu sends them away as soon as these youngsters leave. Seven youth. As soon as they leave the king, they tell one another, we have to run for our life. We cannot remain on Iman in this place. For the safety of our Iman, we have to leave because we, our freedom of Islam has been compromised here. So they immediately get together whatever they need and they know about a certain cave which is at a distance. They say to each other, we will go quietly We'll slip away surreptitiously and we'll seek refuge in that cave. We'll go to that cave, nobody will know where we are and we can worship our Allah in peace. And so that is what they do. They get together, quietly they leave and they go to that cave. And they have with them their dog. Hunting dog which is permissible to keep in Islam because it's for the purpose of hunting. In Islam if a person has a dog for hunting, it has been taught how to hunt correctly or he has a dog for security purposes, this is permissible. Obviously the napaki, the saliva etc. The dog must not come on him, he mustn't bring the dog in the house. It's not a pet, it's either for hunting or it's for security. When they come to this cave, they're making dua to Allah. Because remember, we, can, we have to do what we have to do. But everything is in Allah's hand. A person will adopt all the means. He will come masjid, he will do what he needs to do, but he dies in Allah's hand. So with that, you make dua to Allah. A person will lock his car, but also say, Oh Allah, you look after my car. Because if Allah does not make ifazat, then the car will still get stolen, even though it's locked. So you do, you adopt the means. But you must know only Allah can make the means effective. So while they are coming to this cave, they are doing whatever they can do to safeguard the iman. But they are making dua to Allah. رَبَّنَا آتِنَا مِنْ لَدُنْكَ رَحْمَةً Oh Allah, you shower your mercy on us. وَهَيِّئْ لَنَا مِنْ أَمْرِنَا رَشَدًا Oh Allah, you make everything work out for us. So we have our children, we'll bring them masjid. When they get big enough to come and behave in a masjid. We'll send them to madrasa. 
we'll teach them correct values. But with that, you make dua, oh Allah, you make this child of mine grow up on the straight path. Because the hidayat is in Allah's hands. Ourselves also, we do not know when we can slip. We make dua every day for our hidayat. Now when they come to this cave, they go inside the cave and they want to have a rest, they go to sleep. And the dog is outside at the entrance of the cave, the dog also goes to sleep. And Allah causes them to fall asleep for 300 years. And Allah Ta'ala makes divine intizam for them. If a person lies in one place for 300 years, what will happen to him? He'll get bed sores. Allah Ta'ala says, نُقَلِّبُهُمْ ذَاتَ الْيَمِينِ وَذَاتَ الشِّمَالِ Allah was turning their bodies from side to side so that the circulation can take place correctly, they won't get bed sores. If the sun had to fall on them directly, their clothing would have disintegrated. Allah Ta'ala says, you'll see the sun. You'll see when the sun rises, it would avoid them on the right side and setting it would avoid them on the left side. It wouldn't fall on them directly. And then Allah Ta'ala caused a divine awe to be settled in that place. If anybody came close to that place, he wouldn't have the courage to go any further, he would run away. And then Allah Ta'ala caused their eyes to remain open as well. What Allah Ta'ala says, when you look at them, You would think they are awake, but as in reality, they were asleep. And certain other types of intizam Allah Ta'ala made for them as well. The dog was at the entrance, so nobody would want to go inside the cave. They would see the guard dog at the entrance and people would run away. 300 years passed and they wake up. They wake up, they ask each other, how long we slept for? They look at the sun, they say, we think we slept half a day. 300 years have passed. This is the Qudrat of Allah. Now Allah Ta'ala had a plan. There's a wisdom behind what Allah does, though we cannot see the wisdom at times. At the time when they woke up 300 years later, there was a pious Muslim king who had fikr and concern for his people. Why his people... Belief was becoming corrupted. It is our belief on the day of Qiyamah, Allah will resurrect us with our bodies. Even if a person, in the hadith Rasulullah mentioned that if a person's body has to be eaten also by the animals, from the stomach of each animal, the person's body will be brought and resurrected and put back together once again on the day of Qiyamah. A person's soul will be brought and the body will be brought as well. At that time, the people thought, how can Allah resurrect the body when it is turned to bones and dust? So Allah Ta'ala caused these youth to wake up showing the people that Allah's kudrat is such, they can sleep for 300 years untouched. What is it for Allah to bring the body back? It's nothing. Everything is within the control and ability of Allah. These youngsters wake up, first thing they need, they're hungry, they want some food. If we sleep 300 years, we'll also be hungry. But when they go to get food, they have a jamaat, they put a kitty together, and they give the money to one person, and they say, go to the town quietly, don't attract the attention of the police, and get food. But they give the person one instruction, they say, فَلْيَنْذُرْ أَيُّهَا azka tu'ama." They said, make sure you bring halal food. Mufti Shafi sahab rahmatullahi alayhi mentioned that when you are living in a time and an era and a place where there's a lot of doubt regarding halal and haram, then a person should not have a casual and laid back approach, like a daisical approach. No, I'm sure it must be halal. Rather, a person should take the extra step to verify in whatever way is possible for him to ensure that what he's eating is halal. Then the person comes to the town, he takes out the money, this money 300 years ago money. Today we're using rands and dollars. Imagine you're pulling out pounds from what zamana, you know, from 300 years ago. Not even World War One, 200 years before that. The people see the money, they ask the person, where you got this money? He says, no, this is the money of Dakiyanus, the king. They said, Dakiyanus, that's history. It's a very strange incident and they bring him to the king. The king asks the youngster, what has happened? The youngster explains, he realizes this is a Muslim king. He explains, this is what has happened. We were running for our lives. We went to this cave. We slept. We woke up and we came to buy food. The king realizes that Allah had accepted his dua. So much of dua he made for his people. Allah must show them and give them hidayat. Allah answered his dua by causing these youngsters to wake up after 300 years and show the people how these miraculous things for Allah to manifest 
rest, it is nothing. Allah can make these people sleep 300 years, wake up unchanged. What is there for Allah to resurrect the body in the day of Qiyamah? So nevertheless, this was the incident of the sleepers of the cave. But we find that as we mentioned, the common theme in the surah was these youngsters at that prime time in their life, they had that difficult choice to make. Should we do whatever is required to make the king happy, to secure our dunya, or should we do what it takes to make Allah happy? And this is the test that every person faces in his life. Today we find the ummah going through so much of difficulty. Rasulullah sallallahu mentioned Barak hadith and we'll conclude on this hadith. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa mentioned Yushik, the time is soon going to come in the world and that is the time now that the various nations of the kuffar will be calling one another antada'a lakumul umam kama dada'at al-akala 'ala al-qas'ah Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa mentioned how if certain people are sitting around a big platter of food and they're eating and they'll call their friends come 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 join us at this meal the kuffar will be calling one another to come and attack and loot and kill the Muslims like that. How the people sit around the plate, the kuffar will be surrounding the Muslims like that. Rasulban radiallahu anhu approximately that sahabi, he asked Islam, O Rasul of Allah, will the Muslims be so few in number that the kuffar can take advantage of them like that? Rasulullah said, no, you'll be many in number. Like how we find Muslims, more than a billion. He asked Rasulullah then what's the story? Rasulullah said, Allah Ta'ala will remove the fear and respect of the Muslims from the hearts of the kuffar. And Allah Ta'ala put weakness in the hearts of the kuffar, in the hearts of the Muslims. So the Sahaba asked, what is this cause for this weakness? Muslims' hearts are so weak. What is the cause? Rasulullah Sallam said two things. dunya wa karahiyatul They are too in love with the dunya. They can't close that shop and come for namaz. They can't leave that sleep and come for fajr. They can't leave that riba and have their business on halal. They can't do their nikah in the sunnah way. They must have that... Christian things in it. Christmas time, they want to have Christmas tree and Christmas sale. They love the dunya too much. Wakarahiya to mouth and they dislike death. Why they dislike death? Because all the investment is in dunya. They haven't invested in akhirat. They've got nothing to look forward to. That is the cause for the weakness. Allah Ta'ala grant us all tawfiq. Send nikah to be performed now in Shaz. Abdul Qadir Kaidit Sada took Shahada two weeks. Allah gave him barakah and blessed him. He said, Molana, I want to stay away from Haram. Subhanallah. His father is here as well. Anwar Al has Fahima, your daughter, given that we may perform her nikah and get her married to Abdul Qadir. Nasreen, Nadim, Naish, 500. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiruhu wa nu'minu bihi wa natawakkalu alayhi wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina man yahdihillahu falamudillalah wa man yudlilhu falahadiyalah wa nashadu an la ilaha illa allahu wahdahu la sharika lah wa nashadu anna sayyidana wa maulana muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh arsalahu bilhaqq bashiran wa nadiran bayna yadayi saa'a man yuti'illah wa rasoolahu faqad rashad wa man yaasillah wa rasoolahu fainnahu la yadurru illa nafsa wa la yadurru allah shay'a a'udhu billahi min الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون وقال تعالى يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيباً 
وقال تعالى يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما فقد قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم النكاح من سنتي وقال فمن رغب عن سنتي فليس مني او كما قال عليه الصلاه والتسليم ونسال الله ربنا ان يجعلنا ممن يطيعه ويطيع رسوله ويتبع رضوانه ويجتنب سخطه فانما نحن به ولا اللهم ربنا هب لنا من ازواجنا وذرياتنا قره اعين واجعلنا للمتقين اماما بارك الله لكما وبارك عليكما وجمع بينكما في خير وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه ونور عرشه سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى اله واصحابه اجمعين عبد القادر with the permission of the representative of the bride Anwar for his daughter Fahima and with the witnessing by Zain and Nadim Naim and all those present here today as witnesses I hand over Fahima to you in your nikah in exchange of the mahar of 500 grand do you accept Fahima in your nikah say nakahtuha wa qabiltuha wa tazawwajtuha wa tazawwajtuha I have accepted her and may alhamdulillah barakallahu lakum wa baraka alaykum wa jama'a bainakum marriage Nikah is very sacred responsibility taking care of your gift from Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala loving her respecting her caring for her treating her where Shraddha Anwar was so encouraging as well to his future son in law said no I support must make nikah as quick as possible even come and live with me as well no formality simple being deen simple making nikah simple for ya alhamdulillah may Allah taala make this as an example for us to also encourage our youth to stay away from haram and to make nikah as quick as possible and see the barakah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inshallah dua will be after namaz we can read our sunnah